Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. checking out the podcast get happy with jay want to know when i've uploaded a new episode simply subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play or soundcloud and of course you can always check out the website gethappywithjay.com you can catch up on any missed episodes and see all other content as well if listening to this podcast encourage you to do some self-help work or you recognize that you could use the assistance of a professional therapist check out betterhelp.com all the therapists are licensed and experienced in a variety of issues that you may need help with addiction grief self-esteem depression family issues and more you do not have to commit to a subscription just to try it as a matter of fact just for get happy with jay listeners log on to betterhelp.com backslash get happy with jay and you can try it free for a week sessions are done online via video text or phone it's affordable easy private and as needed what better way to try counseling now, on to the show. Joining me today is Harold Reagan. I met Harold at my gym, and I was immediately drawn to him because of his dedication to fitness and his great personality. Talk about motivational. I was absolutely floored when he disclosed to me that he is 66. I told him right away, what? 66 does not look like that. As I've gotten to know him more personally, I have learned what an evolved human he is overall. I was even more intrigued to know his story, and now I think he's going to share it with you. Welcome, Harold. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on and being so open. Okay. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Well, as you said, I'm a 66-year-old black American. I was uh, born in a small rural community in Texas. I grew up there, and I got married at an early age. How early? Uh, 23. That's uh, pretty young. That's pretty young. I, I didn't know anything. And as I look back over it now, uh, I really didn't know anything at all. And I was, shouldn't have even been married. Yeah. But uh, I grew up in a small town called Lufkin, Texas. Never and, heard of it. Oh, it's a small East Texas town. Really beautiful, but there's nothing to do there except hunt and fish. And so I became an avid hunter while I was there. But mm-hmm. I grew up there and then I uh, went into the workforce and I moved to Houston. And mm-hmm. so, and I spent a great deal of my career in Houston, Texas, and then uh, uh, the plant closed down while I was working, and hence, I moved to Peoria, Illinois. All and right, now let's talk a little bit about the difference between growing up in a little bitty small town and then making the adjustment to Houston. Was there much of an adjustment for you? Well, being from Texas, everybody's friendly anyway, and everybody speaks to everybody regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that big of an adjustment. The only thing I had to really get adjusted to was the traffic, being from a rural community, you could get anywhere you wanted to yes. in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. When Houston, it takes anywhere from 60 minutes to uh, an hour and a half to just to uh, get to where you want to go. Yeah. My so, brother that lives in Dallas, he shared uh, the same sentiment. He's like, even going to the grocery store beca- becomes like this thing yes. where you have to plan. Yes. Yes. It becomes a chore. 
Mm-hmm. But the thing I liked about Houston was there was a lot of variety. There were a lot of things to do. There was things you could pay for, and there's a lot of free things you could do as well. Uh-huh. And I loved the concert. I loved going to the musicals and things of that nature. But uh, it was just a fun city. And so you go from Houston to Peoria. Culture shock. Yeah, culture shock for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, one thing is when I moved up here, I was ready for the change in temperatures. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've discussed that. I'm not much yeah. of a cold weather person. Yeah, in Texas, there's one temperature, two temperatures really, yeah. hot and hotter. Yeah. So, so the humidity is very, very high, and so, mm-hmm. and I was ready to get away from that. I was ready for four seasons. Yeah. And so, Peoria seems like the perfect place to be there. Well, you definitely get that here. Although last year yeah. might have reminded you more of Texas. Texas. It was yeah. really a mild winter, so yeah, we'll see what's in store this time. This time, yes, yes. So. Any difference in the people? It seems like, I guess you could say Texas is Southern, although I don't necessarily for some reason think of Texas as Southern, but it is. Well, is, Texas Texas is one of those states that nobody knows where to classify it. I yeah. I mean, some yeah. call it Southern, some call it Southwestern and yeah. Midwestern. It just doesn't know, but uh, to me, it feels like a really Southern state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so difference in the personalities of people? Not really. The only difference is people in Texas are a little bit friendlier. Yeah. I mean, uh, they will speak to you and smile with you, but up here it's a lot different. Yeah, I think you have to work a little bit more here to develop relationships. I think people are more closed. You do. Perhaps. And the racism is a little bit more in depth here. You think so? That's yes. interesting for you to say yes, that. Yes, yeah. uh, I went to a seminar once and listened to Dick Gregory, and he says something that was very, very profound, and I've never forgotten it. Mm-hmm. It says there's not much difference between the whites in the South and the whites in the North. Let me say that again. The whites in the South don't care how close you get as long as you don't get too high. Mm-hmm. The whites in the North don't care how high you get as long as you don't get too close. Yeah. So I found— That's pretty <clears throat> deep. Yes, it is. And it's a very, very profound statement. And I looked at it and I see that uh, racism is a little bit more in depth here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's a little bit hidden. Yeah. But it's very, very and that's, real. That's more frightening. It is. That it is hidden because you don't know who it is. Is it my attorney? Is it my doctor? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I take the standpoint that everybody is. So I deal with it from that point, standpoint. Yeah. And if they're not, then I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. So it's a difference living here. So have you done much dating since you've been here? And if so, is there a difference in the women here versus in the South or in Texas? I've done very little dating here, and I don't even think I can answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. Uh, Well, and since I I put that out there, and, you know, people are going to see your photo on the website, uh and uh, people are going to ask me, so I'm going to throw it out there. Are you single? Yes, I am. And happily. Happily single. Yes, yes, yes. You almost beat me to saying happily. (laughs) That's because it's real. Well, and that's part of of your evolution that I think is just so, I don't know, it's so unique that you are just so happy and complete in who you are. And I think that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned by a lot of people in that, that you are enough all by yourself. Yes, yes. First of all, Happiness is a choice. Yes. You have to choose that. And then then being comfortable with who you are. Yeah. Loving yourself. So 
that's the beginning, loving yourself. A lot of people Did don't love themselves. Did you always love yourself, though? Or Absolutely not. Uh, at one point in my life, I was a, I didn't feel love at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I got married the first time, I got married for someone to love me. Uh-huh. Uh, I was always a people pleaser, and mm-hmm. people always made me feel like I said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing, I didn't look right, I didn't talk right, I, I did everything wrong. So I used to please people just Aww. to get their love. And as you know, trying to please people just really doesn't work out. No. You never end up completely It really doesn't. In any no. relationship, someone, whether it's a friend, a lover, whoever, someone should be able to accept you uniquely as who you are, not try to change you. Like, if you don't like me for who I am, then forget about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because people have all, have often asked me, and, and my dad was a person that asked me this because I didn't meet him until I was 18. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that he asked me, because I was a little chubby then, not as heavy as I would become eventually, but I remember him asking me, um, you don't have low self-esteem, do you? I want to make sure that you love yourself. And I was like, no, for some, for whatever reason, that has just never been my issue. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. But yeah, that's important because I have always had the attitude that you accept me for who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Regardless of anything else, you have to take it all. Uh-huh. Take it all or nothing. You know, and one key thing you said there, and, 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 and I've learned it over the years, is I grew up you with two are. parents. <laughs> I grew up with two parents, and I found out that little girls get their self-esteem from their daddies. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. I could do a whole show about that, yeah. about <laughs> my relationships with men and boys before meeting my father and after it's it's fascinating and I was blessed that my dad I had a good one I only had him for three years but he was great and in that in the three years that I did have him he just instilled so many life lessons in me yeah that I wish I'd had them younger but I'm glad I got them yeah yeah but dads can also be kind of tough on boys too yeah oh uh, sorry you're speaking from experience your father was tough on you well I grew up in a family where I didn't fit the norms. Uh, my dad had his own business, and uh-huh. he expected everybody to grow up in that business and work. And it was a physically demanding business, and, uh-huh. and I was the type of kid, ah, no, I don't want to do that. I yeah. want to sit down and read a book. Yeah. I want to sit yeah. behind a desk. You're definitely more cerebral. And my dad didn't know how to handle that. And mm-hmm. I love my dad, but uh, I was just a little how bit more advanced. How many kids? How many siblings? I have five siblings. Okay, so there's yeah. six all together. Yes. So yes. where are you in the birth order? Because right there's a lot to be. Right in the middle. There's a lot to be seen. <laughs> yes. And then be said about birth order, because when you said that, you know, you're always fighting to be seen and to kind of like make your way, that is such a middle child thing. Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then for me, it is so odd because I'm the oldest of my mother's children of her five. Okay. So in that role as the oldest child, you're more of the leader. You um, end up taking on a parental role a lot and you're looked at as a second parent. Yes. And I am like in the middle of my dad's 13. Yeah. And it's so weird because when I'm <laughs> around my paternal family, I am the middle child. Yeah. I kind of get lost in the in the flow and I kind of yeah. like it. Yeah. Because I get tired of being the leader and being looked to. So <laughs> birth order is really weird. It is. There's it a is. lot to be said about it that. It is. It has something to say about each child's personality, too. Yeah. But, you know, growing up in a rural, small rural town 
And being a middle child meant you get a lot of hand-me-downs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there were some financial constraints, yeah. are you saying? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I still think we have those constraints today, but uh, back then it was a little bit more evident. I mean, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. Yeah, I didn't know I was poor either, and I definitely uh-uh. was. Uh-uh. We were clean. We ate well. Yeah, same here. And we just we just had fun. We spent more family time together. Yeah. Even though a lot of it was in church, but, <laughs> but we did. Well, that's we a good time. thing. I grew up in church. <laughs> no, it wasn't a bad thing, but, the, you know, you like to have a little bit more variety in your upbringing, you know, like going well, to zoos and traveling and things of yeah. that Well, I grew up in a small town, too, and what I found is that you have to make your own fun. You do. Which can be dangerous because it can be a negative or a positive. (laughs) I did a little bit of both. But, yeah, so did you find that as well? Like, how easy was it for you to find fun? Well, it wasn't that bad. My two older brothers, I mean, two older siblings are brothers, and we all hooked up together to have fun. You know, boys can be devious, but you had to watch out for the neighbors because they would tell your parents, too. Oh, especially back then. And they would always call you in and whip you themselves, too. So you had to be very, very careful yes the double spanking yes so you had to be very very careful but we were we had no strings uh, attached we we did a little bit of everything and anything some dangerous some mm-hmm. good but uh i guess that's just the nature of growing up boys i guess i want to talk now about your fitness because you are so fit and if anyone knows you they would never guess your age at all that's part of why you're so inspirational have you always been athletic you said you hunted and you fished so there's definitely some physicality there but were were you into other sports Uh, in high school I was very very active and then even after high school, I uh, I went into the military, the Air Force, and I was always somewhat active, always mm-hmm. tried to watch what I eat, mm-hmm. uh, but not to the extent that where I am today. Mm-hmm. But what changed it all was in 1998 when... Uh, I had a very good doctor, an African-American female, and she used to monitor me. I go mm-hmm. in for a cold. She monitored me. She watched my blood sugars. She checked mm-hmm. me. And then one day I went in sick, and she said, well, congratulations, you made it. You are now officially a diabetic. Wow. That was like, was wow, that a blow? you got to be kidding me. Because you oh, were slender, yes. healthy, yes. took care of yourself reasonably well. Yes. So that yes. had to be a shock. It was. I went through all the stages of someone losing a loved one. Uh, mm-hmm. Anger, yeah. uh, uh, denial, and then finally acceptance. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally accepted it, I had... Uh, Two good role models to look at. Well, okay. one wasn't so good. One was my mother, who was obese, and she did uh-huh. what she wanted to do, when yeah. she wanted to do. She ate what she wanted to eat, and then she tried to compensate with it by using the insulin. Oh, uh, that's bad. Then my grandmother was diagnosed the same age as I was. I watched her, and she did all the right things. Mm-hmm. She changed her eating habits. She worked out. She took a medicine. She went to her doctor's normal like she's supposed to do. And she just did all the right things, and she mm-hmm. lived to be 102 years old. Wow. That is a long, blessed life. Yeah, so I had the two examples there, so it was Mm -hmm. easy for me to just follow after my grandmother. So then you stepped up your fitness routine after that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So what did you change? Did you just work out more? You changed what you did? More, and paid a little bit more attention to what I ate. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wouldn't. Uh, I just wouldn't eat everything I wanted to. Yeah. You know, you eat what you. you know, it's kind of like my mother. Some of that rubbed off on me, and like I eat ice cream, then I go work out. Yeah. <laughs> to work out, <laughs> you know. But after yeah. I got diabetes, diabetes, yeah. I found out that some things you just stay away from completely. Yeah, but and, it's and best. continue to work out. So, what are some of the things that you stay away from? Because I know in our in the listening audience for this podcast, I probably have countless people on here that are diabetic or probably close to it and don't know it but you know everybody's different you have to you have to find out what makes your body tick, what works mm-hmm. with you. And that, and that takes some time. So you have to pay attention to you. And your body talks to you all the time. You just yeah. have to listen to it. It definitely um, does. I went through a phase where where I thought I was overweight, and I really was. And I went to countless dietitians where I'd do this and do this. And everyone I went to, I was doing the right things. I wasn't eating the carbohydrates. I was eating th- three meals, three squares a day, and six snacks. I was getting mm-hmm. my rest. I was drinking my water, but I was still gaining weight. Wow. And I went to dietitian after dietitian. They tell me the same thing. They say, well, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. And then finally I went to this one dietitian. She told me, she said, you know what? It doesn't matter what you eat. Just watch your portion size. Oh, I have learned that the hard way. Yes. 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 And it's since all about then, portion that's control. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So I, I eat pretty much anything I want except the sweets. I don't eat a lot of sweets. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just watch my portion sizes. And it seems to work for me. Best advice I've ever gotten. Yeah. And you work out like relentlessly. Too much to tell you the truth. Seven days a week. Well, I've had to change that. My body's getting older now. My body Mm -hmm. goes screaming at me. And like I said, you have to listen to your body. Yeah. So I usually do 13 one day off, 13 one day off, 13 Uh one day off. Do it at that from that standpoint. And that that's still pushing it quite a bit for my, my age, but it works for me. So. And so what do you do? What's your favorite exercise? I really like biking. Mm-hmm. And I do it on inside, but just being outside, and I ride the Rock Island Trail, just uh-huh. being out in nature. I guess being a small country boy, just yeah. being out in nature, it's just so exciting to me. And I yeah. work up a sweat and get my exercise in at the same time. So, And we're people, we're talking hours. This man is not just like in and out of the gym in a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it puts me to shame big time. Typical day is from start to finish, I get to, to the gym about 4.30, Mm-hmm. And I leave at seven thirty. Yeah, so so three hours. And I'm, I'm kind of active the whole time too. Yeah. So so, but it's fun for me. Yeah. And it's it's it's, it's also a reward physically, but yeah. I also get to be. That's how I met you yeah, socially. So I get a met. chance to meet yeah. nice people there. So. And I've found that that is great too. You you kind of develop this little community at the gym because I'm working with a client now that I'm trying to build up her self-esteem and she wants to lose weight and feel better about herself and I even took her to our gym and gave her a tour and she's really shy and I said this is a great exercise to get over being shy Yes. because whether you want to or not you're going to meet people Yes. like I didn't go to the gym intending to meet people but I think I'm definitely making friends there Yes. and that adds to the enjoyment of it and on the days that I feel like wow I am not feeling this today. I do not want to be at the gym. Then I think, well, I'm going to see some really nice, cool people there. So that's going to motivate me to go. And it does. Yes, it does. It does. And it's always laughter. It's always seriousness. Somebody's always wanting to share with you some things that's really, really profound and personal. And you just 
just sit there and you listen. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's important to listen. And I think when you open yourself up to people, you never know what amazing souls that you're going to come in contact with. So you, you have to be open to that. Yeah, absolutely. And when you start listening, be careful. <laughs> Because when people find out you're a listener, they will confide in you. I get it all the time. It's like my husband is always teasing me because people like navigate towards me and I end up talking to people all the time, whether it's at the grocery store, you name it. He's just always amazed. And I'm like, wow, I must have some tattoo on my head that says, come talk to me. You know what? People people can read personalities very, very easily. And they they see what type of person you are and they feel comfortable coming. Because like in years past, I was always told that I seemed like stuck up and unapproachable. Yeah. So I just wonder that sometimes. So it's good. It's good to know that that's not the case. Although some people you probably don't want to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in addition to your diabetes, you also battled uh, another big health crisis. The C word. Yes. Yes. The yes. C word. So how old were you and how were you diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer? I, you know what? It's been so it hadn't been long ago, but it's one of those things I just tend to write off. But uh, uh, how do you write off the C word? Because because I know I've been healed. Yeah. And, and, and I know there was a reason I had it. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think about me even having it. I But having cancer changes you. I mean, it changes mm-hmm. your priorities and things of that nature. What you used to think was important that was really big. Once you have cancer, it's not that big at all. Not that yeah. big of a deal. But uh, I was in Vietnam and uh, I, I went, being a diabetic, I went to the doctor quarterly anyway. Mm-hmm. And then twice a year I would get tested for prostate cancer just simply because I was in Vietnam and Agent Orange and all of that mm-hmm. and then one day the doctor came to me crying and uh, and by the way I always have female doctors uh, <laughs> yeah we've talked about that <laughs> but she told me that I had cancer prostate cancer and I ended up having to comfort her. I say, well, you know, it's no big deal. We're going to take care of this. And then I went to the, um, what do you call the doctor that takes? An oncologist? Yes. Well, oncologist and then there's a... Urologist? Urologist. Yeah, I had both of those. So I went to the So uro- was it detected in by blood work or did blood she work. do a prostate exam it and was, found it enlarged? It, it was blood work. Mm-hmm. And I went to the urologist and he did the testing. Uh-huh. And... Uh, what you call it, biopsy, I guess, or whatever yeah. it is. It did that. Ooh, painful. Oh, my God, painful. Yeah. And he checked the prostate, too. And they caught it at the beginning stages. So you were like stage one. Yes. Well, that's yes. a blessing yeah. that it, you were on was. top of your health. It, and that's a lesson because not trying to generalize, but I have found that men do not keep up with their health as well as women, and especially black men. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think there's a lot of fear of the, if they have it, they just don't want to know. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to know. And so a lot of things are caught too late. So you caught it early. And so you handled the diagnosis well. I remember you telling me when we talked about it at the gym that people around you reacted worse to it than you did. Yes, I ended up comforting them. Because I don't know. It's just the the belief I had that... uh, that wasn't going out like that. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was for my benefit. It was more for other people than it was me. Yeah. But, but I, even but, going through it, mm-hmm. I did, I'm still learning and consulting God for everything. Yeah. And I really didn't consult God on this. And so I ended up paying a higher price for it than I should have. Meaning what? Meaning 
you've heard the cliche the 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 cure is worse than the disease. Mm-hmm. Well, I went through the radiation treatment. I wanted it out of there. I mean, it doesn't belong in my body. I want it out. So now. you wanted to get your prostate removed. Well, I want to do everything except that. <laughs> 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 Whatever it took. <laughs> Remember, man, I'm still a man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was because um, I had a uh, breast cancer survivor on my show and she was very open about how, you know, her breasts were part of who she was as a yes. woman, which it is. Yes. It's a part of our femininity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go to tinkering around with, you know, the male parts and stuff, did you ever worry, like, is this going to affect my virility? No. No? Never did. I just knew I had something that it wasn't supposed to be inside of my body, and mm-hmm. I just wanted it out. And I never considered that at all. Now, should I have? I well, don't did they know. ever say that there was like a chance that your parts wouldn't work or whatever? You know, when I said the racism, <laughs> race, the racism here in, in in Peoria is 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 very very quiet. It's very mm-hmm. very sublime, you know. Yeah. And so there's a there's a treatment that blacks get. Yeah. Versus what white get. Yeah. And the treatment that black get, you don't get the information, you don't get the communication. It's just yeah. like kind of like you do as I say. Yeah. But with whites, you know, they give a little bit more explanation of what's going on. So I never got that explanation. So no one ever even told you like, okay, if we do this, the side effect could be that. Yes. And no one never told me that. And the research I went through, looking through it, I didn't see that at all either. Maybe I didn't read far enough or go far enough or look at the right places, but that that wasn't a part of it either. So. Well, thank goodness for you that it didn't affect you so it's not an issue yeah it's not an issue so i'm still going strong (laughs) 66 years old (laughs) i think one of my personal like i don't know if you want to call it a mantra or not but something that i live by is that every day that i'm alive i'm trying to be a better version of myself Mm -hmm. than i was the day before and you seem to be that way too because you're open to change and to experience new things so how does that manifest itself in your life listening to people and you can learn something regardless of where it is, where it's come from. You can learn something from nature. You mm-hmm. can learn something from other people. People can, you can just have, have a simple con- uh, conversation and somebody can say something profound that was just, just shake your world. And you say, mm-hmm. I never looked at it like that. I never seen it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And so it is constantly trying to learn something new every mm-hmm. day. And you have to listen to people. You have to be observant. I mean, you just have to look around. You have to be conscious of your surroundings. And you have to listen to your body. Let's let's talk retirement a little bit. Were you excited about being retired? Was it something that you were ready to stop being in the workforce? I was scared to death. I was scared to death to retire. Really? As a matter of fact, I wasn't really ready to retire. My original plan was to work to about 70 because I thought I had so much to give. But the job started changing, and they brought in millennials, and millennials saw me as an old dinosaur. I was in the way. <laughs> oh. I couldn't change. and so it That's got their to, loss because uh, yeah. you learn from people that are older than you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I, I got to the point where I said, I can't stand this anymore. Mm-hmm. And most of my fear from retiring was, will I have enough money? Yeah, that's huge. That is a huge. And it hasn't been an issue. That's awesome. Is mm-hmm. it because you're frugal or you just planned well and you were prepared? I did some preparation, uh, although I could have been more, mm-hmm. but just living within your means. Yeah. And I mean, in all things balance, right? Yeah, yeah. If you want something, you have to plan for it, mm-hmm. set a goal, and say, well, this is what I'm going to do. This is how much I'm going to save to get to that point. 
and just live like that. It's almost like being a diabetic. It changes your life. Yeah. You learn to do things differently than you did when you was working. Yeah. You know, when we were working, we just, I'll get the next paycheck or something. We just go for it. Yeah. And then we don't, we as African Americans, we don't plan very well for the future anyway. We just kind of like live yeah, for the day. Yeah, there's definitely a problem with saving. Yeah. And yes. It's like we all, yes. you know, the instant yes. gratification. Yeah. And I know it's difficult, but uh, when I was back in um, college, I remember a professor said, you always pay yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we need to do a better job at that. So but that was the biggest thing, fear of uh, not having enough money. And mm-hmm. so far, it hasn't been an issue. So, so thank you... God for that. <laughs> and it might not it might not be as much of an issue because you're single, too. That's true, too. Yeah. That's true, too. That's true, too. And I, I don't do that much. I mean, I live a very, very low key life. I mean, yeah. the highlight of my day is going to the gym, working out. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of expenses to entertainment if you will you have so many life lessons that you can share (laughs) so what is harold looking forward to in life you're 66 you're fit you're healthy any accomplishments that you still want to achieve like what's the future looking like for you in your mind i am very very low-key person my thing my goal is to help anyone i can Mm-hmm. whomever I can, uh, learn uh, about their history, learn who they are, mm-hmm. learn about our God and where they fit in the whole process of that. Mm-hmm. I just want to help people. So what is spirituality to you? Uh, loving God and doing exactly what God wants me to do. And how do you know what that is? Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, I don't know how your audience feel about this or how you feel about this, but I actually hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I know what to do and when to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I don't always see the result, but sometimes I do. And sometimes yeah. people will come back and tell me, and it's been more recently than it has the, the norm, is that, you know, you were right. I tried what you said, and you were right. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? It wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit because I didn't know what to tell you. <laughs> and so I never take the credit for something like that. I always yeah. give the praise to God. Yeah. But uh, that's so, that's that just makes you feel, put a grin on your face, put yeah. a smile on and your face. And you always <laughs> have a smile on your face. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's easier to smile than it is to frown. You know, smiling is, uh, it's something magical about it. Even mm-hmm. if you're talking to someone, if you just smile, it even changes how your voice sounds. It Absolutely. adds it adds a warmth to it. Yeah, yeah, and makes the person talking to you just more open, mm-hmm. accepted. They feel like they're accepted, and so and they feel like you're listening because one yes. of the one of the many wonderful lessons that my dad taught me. He was a person that was very. People, people were always attracted to him for his mm-hmm. looks and his personality as well. And uh, we used to talk about that a lot. And he said that one thing he always tried to do is no matter who he was talking to, no matter who it was, from the person sacking his groceries to a president of a company, whatever, he was like, you always look someone in the face and you let them know that you're listening. You be present yes. in every conversation because yes. that means something, the yes. time that you're spending with that person for whatever reason that means something yes active listening yes that was a lesson for me because you know i had a tendency to blow people off not intentionally but you know what i mean sometimes you're really prescient and sometimes you're not yeah speaking as a man you know we're, we're fixers 
you yeah. present a problem to us, we're going to fix it. And my problem was I heard the first two or three statements you made, and then I didn't hear anything else because I'm formulating an answer for those first two or three statements you have, and thereby I missed the whole context of a whole conversation because I shut you down coming yeah. up with an answer. So you have to listen through the, for the full conversation, full explanation before you even comment. And sometimes you can't. Yeah. Sometimes you say, wow. I agree with you on that. So share some type of life lesson, tip, anything that you would want our listeners to hear. I always want to end a show with giving someone something, some good advice, something that helped you along the way. You've shared some nuggets throughout the show, but as we're wrapping up, what would you want the listeners to know that has been helpful to you in your life? What really changed me, as I said, I was a... uh, people pleaser. Uh-huh. I tried to please people any way I could to get them to love me. And I never felt any value mm-hmm. of my own life. And in 2003, I was laid off. And I was at the same time I was laid off, I was uh, going through a very, very emotional divorce. Mm-hmm. And I was lost. Yeah. I couldn't get a job. I was going to a divorce. And divorce people, let me tell you, whether you think you're right or you think you're wrong, you're a victim or a perpetrator, it does something to you. You always feel like you could have done more and was was it really my fault? And but I couldn't get a job. I was going through a divorce and I was just like devastated. And I looked to God and I called to God and I cried to God every day. I need help. I had no one to talk to. And one day I had a religious show, uh, watching a religious show, and the the pastor said something about this new book that was out. Mm -hmm. It was called The Purpose Driven Life. Oh, yes. I bought the book, and I read it, and it changed my world. Oh, I've heard so many amazing stories about that book. Yes, and as from a personal viewpoint, it told me that you are special. You're someone, Mm -hmm. you have a task to do that nobody else can do except you. Mm-hmm. And God ordained you to do it. And it's not about you. It's yeah. all about Jesus. This yeah. whole process of life is lifting Jesus up. And I took that and I listened to it and it gave me such power. It empowered me. I say, I am special. I have something. I have a skill set. I have mm-hmm. something I can do for Jesus and nobody else can do it but me. Yeah. And that changed my world. It gave me confidence. It gave me ability to, to listen to people. And then I took it, I even went a little bit further. I said, well, you know what, God, if you have something for me to do, then I'm going to need wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to, to be able to do what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And Proverbs tell you that, so you just ask for it. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask for it. And so I think I've gotten a little of it, but uh, that changed my life today. It gave me such confidence and such, such ease, and I felt so powerful. Mm-hmm. You can change your personal life, but like, but just a smile. Yes, when you smile at someone, that might be the only interaction that's yes. been positive that they've had in that day. Absolutely. So everybody has something that you can do for Jesus, and nobody else can do it but you. Mm-hmm. So get about your business and serving Jesus. It's and read that book, people. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was change your life, but you had to read it openly though. And one of the hard things I had to do was, one of the hard things of us to do as a person, I know we got to end this, but uh, you have to look in the mirror and you have to tell yourself either wrong Mm -hmm. and change it. And it's so hard for us to admit that we were wrong. (laughs) Everybody thinks they're doing it correctly. But my my most difficult part was looking in the mirror and saying to myself, you are valuable. Yeah. You're worth it. So. 
And you are, Harold. And I tell you, from my perspective, you make such a difference in the people at the gym. You're like this light there that people gravitate towards you. And it's like people light up around you. Mm. And I think that says a lot about who you are. Wow. Okay. Because for me, and I've learned... (laughs) these 48 almost 49 years that I've been around that who you have around you is so important and the people that you allow in your life should be people that want to see the best of you absolutely and when the when that's not the case in any relationship it's time to say you know sayonara yep Yep. absolutely want you should be getting better by the people around you they should be inspiring you to be better and lifting you up as well absolutely and you do that for people well, thank you. I give all the power and glory to the Holy Spirit. Well, I can't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And that's yeah. very generous of you yeah, as well. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing well, thank you. a part of your beautiful life with us here. And listeners, if you're listening, I hope you've been inspired and motivated that you too can be healthy and fit and full of life at 66 or at any age. And that it's never too late to turn things around that you can change. Absolutely. And if you need any help along the way, there are people in your life that are able to do that if you need some professional help like i said we've offered you a free week of counseling through betterhelp.com backslash get happy with jay there's help out there for you to get on the journey and i thank you so much for sharing your tips harold and i hope people are motivated and let us know you guys what you think of this episode you can go to my (laughs) facebook page get happy with jay you can comment there there's a comment section on the website Get happy with Jay.com. If you listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, you can review and comment there. And most importantly, share it if you like what you hear. If you find it to be uplifting and encouraging, which is what this podcast is all about, please share it and help us grow this happy movement. And until next week, as I always say, within this next week, do something that's going to make you happy. It's not selfish, it's self care. Mm-hmm.